Hey everyone, welcome back. We are live again. And today we are answering a question that was left by one of our previous live stream participants. Istin Energia says, isn't God our true self without the limitations and misconceptions we take to experience a certain different life from that oneness? There's some truth and some non-truth in that belief system. And so I thought we would take a live stream to talk about this and actually bring in doctrinal theology. One of my favorite things to do. It is a very common misconception that people will have that the divine life that we are able to instigate in our person, in our soul, is an indication that then, well, we are then just God, right? But that is not indeed the case. There is a very fine distinction about this, and ironically, where you really study this in depth is in mystical theology. One of the texts I'll show you here, let's see where I can spot it, right over here. It would be nearby for sure, but it's called the mystical evolution, not spotting it right off the bat, but it's a two volume series done by Father Aaron Taro, which is an A-R-I-N-T-E-R-O. And he talks about this deification, the supernaturalization of the human spirit. This is in theology what I think people are misinterpreting as, well, therefore we must just then be God. But let's go to this wonderful work. It's called A Manual of Catholic Theology, Sources of Theological Knowledge. This is volume one, God Creation and the Supernatural Order. And this is written by Joseph Wilhelm, uh, Doctorate of Divinity and a PhD, and Thomas B. Scannell, also a Doctor of Divinity. And it's based on a classic work called Sheban's Dogmatique. Why this is important is because this distinction makes all the difference in understanding and thereby following through with your spiritual life in a proper construct, in a proper state of mind. This idea that we are the divinity rather than divinity comes and graces us and forms us is so important because of this reason. Let me... Let me just use my hands to demonstrate. When you believe that I am God, then you are indicating that you are the source of which things are moving outward. When you understand that you receive from God and you can receive this divinization from God, then you understand that it comes into you from an external source. So the part of this question that is true is that as we shoot off from the one, from the divine in these 
uh, fragments of existence, these personalities, we are choosing to leave this perception and apparent knowledge of oneness that we can live within. And we are doing that um, for some type of purpose, some type of evolutionary purpose. That doesn't mean, though, that we as that fragmentary existence are God itself, himself, herself. We are not that. We are fragments, aspects that are sent forward. We are, in a sense, in a smaller level, emanations that God sends out. However, in order for deification to occur, this deitizing that is spoken of in mystical theology, we have to receive from that greater source, that energy, that grace has to come into us. And as I always speak about the vibrational raisings, the importance of those vibrational raisings, another aspect of what's happening in those vibrational raisings is that you are being built up to be holier, holier, higher, higher, moving closer and closer to that sort of state. But let me utilize this text to kind of make that a little more clear. So we'll start here. The supernatural union of the adopted creature with God is commonly called by the fathers the deification of the creature. The frequent and constant use of this appellation is in itself sufficient to prove that they saw in the adoptive sonship something higher than the necessary complement of man's natural faculties. They saw in it the quote-unquote likeness, which gives to the created, quote, image of God a share in the supernatural privileges of his, quote, uncreated image. The sense of the fathers on this point is evident from the manifold explanations they give of it and from the manner in which they connect the adoptive sonship with other dogmas. We can, however, only give a general outline of their doctrine. For quotations, we must refer the student to Petavius's De Trinitate and Thomasine's De Incarnationis. Hello, Saint Neo, welcome back. Everyone, you're welcome to join the chat room. We'll take your questions later. Very much uh, welcome here. So then we go into the further description over here, which is important. In understanding and defending the divinity of the son, they compare his natural sonship to the adoptive sonship of creatures and describe the latter as standing midway between the status of servant natural to creatures and the capitalized sonship natural to the second person of the Trinity, high in dignity above the first and participating by grace in the dignity of the second. Hello, MT. And 
And when explaining how human attributes are predicated of the incarnate Son of God, they draw attention to the divine attributes predicated of man elevated by adoption, stating that man is entitled to the double predicates by the deification of his nature, whereas the Logos owes them to his incarnation. And further, it states, still more stress was laid on the supernatural character of the vocation of rational creatures in the controversies with heretical sex. Here, the aim of the fathers was one, to show that the divine gifts to the children of adoption were of such exalted excellence as to require incarnation, two, to find in the incarnation something corresponding with the humbling of the Son of God, an example, the elevation of the creature to a participation in the divine nature. So what it's stating here is we participate in the divine nature as we accept the graces that come to us from God. And three, to represent the incarnation as the root and the ideal of a supernatural union of all mankind with God. Hence, we find the champion of the Catholic doctrine on the incarnation, St. Cyril of Alexandria, constantly extolling the sublimity of adoptive sonship and of the privileges connected therewith. Considering how intimately he connects the two doctrines of the incarnation of the Logos and the deification of the creature, we are bound to see in him the organ and mouthpiece of the church on the latter, as well as on the former dogma. The doctrine of St. Cyril is also found in the Latin fathers, chiefly in St. Peter Chrysologus, who points out that the adoptive sonship is almost as marvelous as the hypostatic union of the two natures in Christ. Let me see what St. Neo had to say here. Our position with God is in sin. Well, that's an interesting comment because that shows that shows the humility of your soul in understanding that. But there is a greater understanding of this as well. And this is what we're talking about. The deification of our nature has to do with the purification of our nature. And that's what this Catholic theology is referring to. And this is very, um, a very uh, it goes across many different religious contexts. It's not just in Catholicism, but in many other religions, this idea of this deification. But again, going back to the question that we had submitted by our, our uh, live stream user was that deification does not mean that we are becoming little gods. It means that we are being through grace purified and rectified and being brought into a communion, a relationship with God that is more exalted than before. 
Adam and Eve, I'm reading from St. Neil here, Adam and Eve, they did not need purification until they ate the forbidden fruit. Absolutely. Because Adam and Eve, and you might find this a very interesting subject to uh, read about more. One, one, a couple of suggestions before I comment. The Primordial Seed, a book that I wrote, um, you might find very interesting. You can download that for free. Another book is called, let me make sure I'm getting the words in order, The Mysterium Magnum by Jacob Bohm, which is his mystical, in-depth, uh, profound uh, visions about these questions of Genesis, the book of Genesis, the creation of the world, the creation of man. You might find that very interesting. And I also wrote about that in the Mystical Captive series. Mysterium Magnum was very much a part of that journey. So yes, what happened when they fell, they had been created in perfection, Adam and Eve. They'd been created in perfection. And when they sinned, they fell away from that divine nature, that pure, that pure, perfect state they had been given. Um, and that was then the decision made that humanity would then be coming from this fallen state, which means we have the natural proclivity to sin. And so that is part of our normal nature. And so here... We're going to go on to this next portion of this theological text on this subject. Um, and one thing I want to make clear, so in Catholic mystical theology, it is sometimes called sanctifying grace. Sometimes this process is referred to as deification, often in some of the older texts like this one, the Manual of Catholic Theology and the mystical evolution, which is somewhere over there. Um, by Father Aaron Tarot. Um, but that is not to mistake it when they use that term to indicate that we are becoming little gods. What it is, it's a reception of these sanctifying graces that elevate, elevate our human potential and in a sense are restoring us to the eventual state that we were originally created in, that state of perfection. That's what we are moving back towards. So St. Neo says, when they sinned, we became like water and oil with the divine. Very well stated. But in the same sense, again, you know, this is a question that is causes a lot of thought because we must never forget that God is God and can do whatever God chooses to do. And God chose to create this mechanism in our universe through this mortal sheath that we wear. So it's not even that it is water and oil or that we're just totally incompatible. It's that in order to receive of the divine life, we have to take steps towards God. We can't remain flat here on the surface, on the ground, in the physical, completely um, non-moving. We have to move towards God in order for that divine life 
to become accessible to us. But let's continue here with this um, Manual of Catholic Theology. And it says, this twofold consideration necessarily led to another conclusion. In order to be made worthy of such beatitude and to be able to tend towards it, the creature must, even in the present life, be elevated to a higher dignity and furnished with new powers and must be united with God in closer fellowship. You see where we're going here? <laughs> Thus the creature becomes the friend, the child, the bride of God, and is consecrated as a temple of God. From this point of view, a more general bearing was given to the question between St. Augustine and the Pelagians, the Pelagians were a heretical sect in the early church, concerning grace as the principle of salutary actions in fallen man. That's really important. I'm going to reread that. That was the principle of salutary actions in, fall, the, in fallen man. The question was now, which, which are... In general, the conditions necessary to enable rational creatures to merit eternal life. To which the answer can be no other than this. Every operation tending in any way whatsoever towards the acquisition of eternal life must be considered as arising above the sphere of nature pausing because that was important, arising above the sphere of nature and consequently as a good of a higher kind than natural good. Every operation properly and perfectly meritorious supposes besides that the person acting must be of a rank or position raised above nature the principle of merit being once found in an elevation of the status and of the powers of the creature, grace itself was looked upon as the principle giving to human actions a supernatural merit. Now, grace is the principle of merit because by means of grace, nature is made worthy of eternal life. Thus, the scriptural notion of adoptive divine sonship was followed out to its last consequences. The supernatural vocation of man became the foundation upon which the whole doctrine concerning God's operation in man and man's operation to attain his end is built up. Wow, wow. Since St. Thomas and St. Bonaventure, the doctrine of grace has been generally drawn out on the above lines, and the church sanctioned this system as her own in the condemnation of bias. But that was, again, another heretical sect, not that important for you to focus on. Hello, John. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and uh, so now we're looking into the section on eternal life in the beatific vision. 
and I want to start just about here. So again, talking about the deification of man in Catholic mystical theology in relation to this question that our member asked about whether or not we are actually uh, gods. Isn't God our true self without the limitations and misconceptions we take to experience a certain different life from that oneness? So we're talking about how there is truth and there is falsehood in that belief and that it comes from a misunderstanding of this concept of deification in Catholic mystical theology. And so this is where it very beautifully uh, brings it all together. The absolute exaltedness of the beatific vision and of its glory and beatitude above the powers of rational nature, likewise places it above all the claims or requirements of nature and makes it supernatural in the sense of absolute gratuity. What does that mean? Absolute gratuity means absolute gift, absolute gift. So this divine life that we share in with God is absolute gift. We can seek it, we pray, we, we uh, go through the purification process to attain to it, but when it is received, it is an absolute gift from God. It is not something that we can demand or we can say, I earned it, it is absolute gift. And this again brings us back to uh, St. Neo's points, which is the humility of understanding that um, of ourselves, we're not capable of achieving this. And St. Neo says, absolute gift for those who can see this truly. Yes, well said, St. Neo. And so let's continue here. The creature can only claim for its happiness whatever contributes to or achieves the development of its natural faculties. Besides the gratuity of the beatific vision and kindred privileges is attested so often in various doctrines of faith that we are bound to receive it as a fundamental dogma. Thus the vocation to the beatific vision supposes a real and true adoption. It can only be known by a supernatural revelation. And let's just take a moment there. We'll continue with that because there's more, but here again, going back to the original question, it can only be known by a supernatural revelation. And we understand from the previous statement that this supernatural revelation is absolute gratuity. It is an absolute gift from God. So that tells us that this status, this supernatural state, this deification is something we receive. 
Why is that important? Because it indicates that we are not that. We receive of it. And thereby, in understanding that this divine sonship, this deification is something from which we receive through grace, it indicates that we are receiving it from the creator and we are not that. It doesn't diminish the fact that there is truth in this understanding that there is truth to the fact that we choose to experience a different life from that oneness. When we fragment off into these multiplicities, these personalities, these lives, these lifetimes that we live, there's truth to that. But that doesn't come to that. The conclusion that was reached was that therefore God is our true self. No, it indicates that we do shoot off in fragments, personalities, and multiplicities. But that what we receive, again, the key word receive, of the divine life is coming from another source, which is God, and therefore we are not that. Nature by its own power can merit it, cannot merit it, very important distinction, cannot merit it, nor even elicit a positive desire of it worthy of being taken into consideration by God. All these points have been defined and dealt with in former sections. And these are two volumes, so I'm just giving you a little bit here. So you're welcome to check this out if you want to know more. It is moreover evident at first sight that no creature can have a claim to what is God's most personal property. So we have to remember that. And this is that humility again, St. Neo was speaking of. The complete gratuity of the beatific vision supposes that apart from it, some other beatitude vis-a-vis -a, -vis a natural one is conceivable. A final beatitude of some kind is necessarily the destination of rational beings. Since, however, as a matter of fact, angels and man are destined to supernatural felicity, it is not to be wondered at that revelation is silent about natural felicity and that the fathers have not dealt with it at more length. On theological and philosophical principles, the natural destiny of rational creatures can only be described in general outlines. It consists in that knowledge and love of God which can be obtained by merely natural means. So what they're speaking of there, not, not quite saying it right out, so I'm just going to bring it out. They're saying that there is a, an experience in this world. But what they are speaking of in the beatific vision, the divine sonship of man, grace, deification, is a supernatural 
experience. It is different from that. So there's always a natural way of seeing certain truths. And then there is a supernatural way of seeing certain truths. And that is what you'll see in theology is that there will always be the references back to this is the natural man's understanding. This is the supernatural man's understanding. And those are uh, very different experiences, elements, and understandings. And therefore, they are dealt with separately in theological writing. And this is doctrinal theology. One of my favorites that I read, I have, well, my theology books are over there, but I'll show you some more of these as we do our live streams. So I'm hoping that that helps to talk about our relationship with the divine, with God, in that we are not little gods. Um, and no, we're not, God is not just our true self, but we receive, we receive that deity through grace and that it is that reception um, and the continuing choice to continue to receive that, that brings us closer and closer to that divine sonship, which culminates in the beatific vision of God. So I hope that's helpful. And we will be doing another live stream in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about prayer. And I'd love for all of you to join me in just a few minutes on that. And we will also be doing some other live streams as we go and taking your questions. So hang in with us and just pop back in when the live stream restarts and we will talk about prayer. Thank you.